0: Uh, on on uh, Mount Ebal and Herazim, uh that God has spoken about. They were to, uh, let's see if I can, yeah. So you've got, you've got some of the tribes that would be on Mount Erezim and they would speak uh, the blessings. And you'd have some of the tribes that were on Mount Ebal and they would speak the curses. So would somebody read chapter 27 verses 1 to 10?
1: And Moses and the elders of Israel charged the people, saying, Keep all the commandments which I command you today, so it shall be on the day when you cross the Jordan to the land which the Lord your God gives you, that you shall set up for yourself large stones and coat them with lime, and write on them all the words of this law when you cross over, so that you may enter the land which the Lord your God gives you, a land flowing with milk and honey, as the Lord, the God of your fathers, promised to you. So it shall be when you cross the Jordan, you shall set up on Mount Ebal these stones, as I am commanding you today, and you shall cope them with lime. Moreover, you shall build there an altar to the Lord your God, an altar of stones, and you shall not wield uh, wield an iron tool on them. You shall build the altar of the Lord your God of uncut stones, And you shall offer on it burnt offerings to the Lord your God. And you shall sacrifice peace offerings and eat there and rejoice before the Lord your God. You shall write on the stones all the words of this law very distinctly. Then Moses and the Levitical priests spoke to all Israel, saying, Be silent and listen, O Israel. This day you have become a people for the Lord your God. You shall therefore obey the Lord your God and do his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today. Okay,
0: so uh, they are to cross the Jordan and come to this area between these two mountains. Mount Ebal was on the north, Mount Gerizim was on the south, and in between these two mountains in the valley was the city of Shechem. Now he says they're to take two large stones and coat them with lime. What would happen to the stones if you coat them with lime? White. They become white, exactly. And to make them white, then would make the law that they're writing on those stones more visible. I think that's the idea. Make those stones white, and then write these these uh, things that he's commanding on these stones, to where they can be uh, very greatly uh, seen, very very distinctly seen. Make this altar of uncut stones and offer the burnt offerings and the peace offerings and eat there before the Lord. And uh, then commit yourself to obey your, the Lord your God and do his commandments and his statutes. God's laws are not to be treated as mere museum pieces. You know, these are not literary artifacts. We need to, to hear them and obey them. That's what they're for. So he wants them really, again, freshly committed to the minds of these people and, and have them dedicate themselves again. They're going to keep what God says. And uh, that's what's going to happen here. They're going to have these laws on the stones, and and they're committing themselves to obeying them. And they're going to, on these two mountains, recite the blessings that they get from keeping them, the curses that will come if they disobey them. Comments and questions?
2: is there any significance to them using uncut stones
0: probably Um, you know it seems that uh, if they were cut they would be more the product of of human engineering of man trying to make something out of them the uncut stone may be more natural something God has given that would be my guess I think that may be part of the reason for the altar being uh, from uncut stones also somebody have a better answer than that that's been my thought other comments or questions here was this
2: just the Ten Commandments or was this everything that's a lot to write yeah, I, surely it wasn't everything
0: I am not sure if it was just the Ten Commandments but surely it wasn't everything that would take uh, stones way bigger than we could ever uh, cut and carry wouldn't it yeah. other comments or questions Yes. When it, says me,
1: write, when it says write, does
0: it mean carved? Well, I suppose you could write in the line somehow, sort of etch it in the line. That's what I'm assuming that they would do. I mean, if you took something and, and did that, you'd probably just kind of scrape off that line and the, the letters would stand out. Somebody have a better answer than that. That's what I'm assuming. Other thoughts or comments? Okay. Um... So, 11 through 26.
2: Moses also charged the people on that day, saying, When you cross the Jordan, you shall stand on Mount Gerizim to bless the people, Simeon, Levi, Judah, Issachar, Joseph, and Benjamin. For the cursed they shall stand on Mount Ebal, Reuben, Gad, Asher, Zebulun, Dan, and Naphtali. The Levites shall then answer and say to all the men of Israel with loud voice, Cursed is the man who makes an idol, or a molten image, an abomination to the Lord, the work of the hands of the craftsmen, and sets it up in secret. And all the people shall answer and say, Amen. Cursed is he who dishonors his father and mother, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is he who moves his neighbor's boundary mark, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is he who misleads the blind person on the road, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is he who distorts the justice due to an alien, orphan, and widow, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is he who lies in his father's wife, with his father's wife, because he has uncovered his father's skirt, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is he who lies with an animal, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is he who lies with his sister, the daughter of his father, or of his mother, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is he who lies with his mother-in-law, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is he who strikes his neighbor in secret, and all the people shall say, Amen. Cursed is he who accepts a bride to strike down an innocent person, and all the people shall say, Amen. And cursed is he who does not confirm the words of this law by doing them. And all the people shall say, Amen. Okay,
0: so you've got six of the groups on Mount Gerizim and six of the groups on Mount Ebal. The ones on Mount Gerizim, uh, bless the people. The ones on Mount Ebal, curse the people. I always like seeing which tribes he puts in different places and how he organizes them. To me, it's interesting. So look at the ones on Mount Gerizim. Think about where their inheritance was. Simeon's. Where was Simeon's inheritance? South. In the south, what was Simeon's inheritance?
1: Cities?
0: cities within Judah. Yes, you're right. Remember the deal at Shechem in Genesis 34. Simeon and Levi were scattered. They didn't exactly get a territorial inheritance. Where was Levi's inheritance? Uh, throughout the land. Yeah, throughout the land, the 48 cities. But where was Judah? Uh, in the most <laughs> south. Where was Issachar? Yeah, uh, more north, not extreme north. Uh, What about Joseph? I don't remember where the tribe of Joseph was, do you? Where was the tribe of Joseph? Manasseh Manasseh and Ephraim, and Manasseh and Ephraim on the uh, west of the Jordan were where? Kind of the middle, yeah. Now, there was half of Manasseh that was the northernmost of Gilead. And uh, then uh, Benjamin, where was Benjamin? Yeah, in between Judah and Ephraim. So overall these tend to be uh, from the south kind of going on up on the west side of the Jordan. Look at the ones on Ebal. Reuben, where was Reuben? Transjordan, east of Jordan. Where was Gad? Transjordan, yes. Asher, Zebulun, where were they? North. Dan? Yeah, Dan was supposed to be the farthest west over toward Philistia because the Amorites wouldn't let them take that inheritance. They migrated up to the city of Laish, way in the northern extreme. So that's where they ended up being. And Naphtali was also northern. So really, these tribes tend to be over on the east and up in the north. Now if you look at these by mother, I always think that's interesting. So you look at the ones in uh, verse 12. Who was the mother of Simeon, Levi, Judah, and Issachar? Leah. Leah. Who was the mother of Joseph and Benjamin? Rachel. Then you look at the ones uh, on Mount Ebal. Who was the mother of Reuben and Gad? Leah, those were the oldest and youngest if I'm not mistaken not of her. Am I right about that? Yeah. Who was the other one? Zebulun. Zebulun. Okay, you're probably right. Uh, I don't remember. Uh, and then the other four are the uh, ones from the handmaids. So you've got the oldest and the youngest of Le- of Leah and the four from the handmaids that are ones declaring the curses on Mount Ebal. So, in some ways, the least favored tribes are the ones declaring the curses. The ones farther away from Jerusalem. The ones, the oldest and youngest of Leah, but then the ones from the handmaids. I don't know if there's anything big to be made out of that. It's just interesting to me to look at that. It's always interesting to kind of you know, analyze those things. Always kind of, when you see the groupings of the tribes in numbers and so forth, it's always kind of interesting to look at things like that. Sometimes you can see some patterns. The the biggest part of this is not the declaring of the blessings, and we even talk about that. Perhaps because that's not really going to be the future. They are not going to be obedient. It's the cursings that are going to take place. And so look at the reasons they were cur they're being cursed. Verse 15. Cursed is the man who does what? Yeah. Makes an idol. Remember that those who don't love God and worship idols will not love their neighbors either. The, the lack of serving God will lead to these other sins and the rest of this. Because when you don't, when you don't really serve God, you have really no basis for morality toward others. And uh, notice, they, they, they worship this idol or molten image in secret. You know, people a lot of times think that as long as they can hide something from other people especially from Christians, that they can hide it from God. I don't know if we really say that. But if we didn't sort of believe that, why are we so bent on hiding everything from our brethren? You know, it seems like we sort of, uh, you know, mentally slip into that idea that, well, I, I, I hid this. Nobody found out about it. You know, and as if the Lord wouldn't know. And, and then he goes to some sins against family and social duties. The one who dishonors parents, the one who moves the neighbor's boundary marks, so you're cheating your neighbor out of some of the property, misleads a blind person on the road, you know, what do you think about doing that? What does that do? What would he call, what would he call that? Yeah, kind of taking advantage of somebody's uh, handicap. Leviticus 19 talks about some things like that. It's an interesting passage to compare. The one who distorts the justice due to an alien orphan widow. How many times will we hear that? But, but we're talking about various situations that are sort of targets, easy targets, uh, to exploit uh, your neighbor with the boundary marks. Maybe your parents, if you're stronger than they are. uh, And certainly the blind person, the alien orphan widow. So sins against family, sins against other people, then sexual sins. You've got uh, in 20, uh, uh, having your uh, stepmother in 21, uh, with being with an animal, which of course would blur the boundaries God made. God created woman specifically because there was no animal that was a suitable counterpart. Uh, The one who's with his uh, stepsister, uh, the one who's with his mother-in-law. You might think about, why would he specifically talk about these specific sexual offenses? And, and, And it seems to me like one common characteristic uh, of the sexual offenses in 20 and in 22 and 23 is, is that they're kind of opportunity uh, sins uh, you could spend time perhaps with your stepmother, your stepsister your mother-in-law without arousing suspicion that you would have some liberties perhaps to be in a place just with them uh, that you would not have with someone else You know, if you're with somebody else's wife your neighbor's wife uh, by yourself uh, somewhere, that's going to raise some eyebrows, but perhaps not if you're with your stepmother, your stepsister, or whatever. So perhaps these are some sins that are harder to, de- to detect, but the point is, God sees, you know, God brings the curse, even if other people may not realize what's going on. Uh, and then 24 and 25 bodily injury who strikes his neighbor notice again in secret we got a lot of that idea you know things that we think we can get by with and the point is there's a curse that God brings we we must not think that when people don't know God doesn't know we've got to get over this idea of, of being so bent on hiding everything you know it amazes me how we are with that you know uh, sometimes somebody does something really bad. He thinks it's really bad anyway. And his big the person's biggest worry is somebody will spread it. You know, somebody will say something about it. Even a bigger worry than repenting and and changing. And and sometimes it's like, well, you know, yeah, I can see why you don't want to tell some things so that be embarrassing maybe we wouldn't want someone to tell but if the facts are known that should not be nearly as big a concern for us as the fact that we've done the thing that's wrong and we're trying to do what's right about that we're trying to turn to the Lord sometimes, I'm saying sometimes the cover up is is a lot more important to us than repenting and serving God you know, if something is known, that's not what makes it wrong you know, you, you might take someone who uh, uh, is expecting a child out of wedlock and, and the person doesn't think about really repenting of their sin until suddenly they're showing. And and now I need to repent. Well, the sin was committed maybe long before uh, the, the pregnancy. Uh, the, that type of sin was being committed. But sometimes we only think about it when suddenly somebody can tell, well, God he sees it. There's always God's curse. So I think we need to overcome this idea of, of uh, you know, mostly focusing on getting by with nobody knowing and think about, well, the fact God always sees us. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 5 might be an important passage to compare. And then in verse 25, the one who accepts a bribe to strike down an innocent person. So he summarizes in verse 26, cursed is he who does not confirm the words of this law by doing them. You know, he's given some specifics here. But in general, whatever covenant violations there are, are under a curse. And every time, what do the people say? And their amen says what? So they are... Accepting and confirming and supporting God pouring out His judgment on those who are disobedient to the covenant. I think you that they don't, should have thought before they said Amen to that, don't you think? You know that that's something to really be serious about. We say Amen to God's judgments upon us when we're disobedient. We really need to think about the consequences of the disobedience. All right, thoughts and comments on uh, these things in chapter 27. Seth? Uh,
1: Something that you said about idolatry struck with me. Uh, Idols really are absolutely nothing. When you worship an idol, you're really worshiping yourself, your own ideas, uh, your own (laughs) own concepts. Uh, So, like you said, when you worship yourself, you're not thinking about other people. How can you honor other people when you're not honoring the only God, and you're honoring yourself?
0: Great point, yes. That's exactly right. Other thoughts?